Hey guys, I'm Garrett. And I'm Jason, and welcome to the Small Town Pilgrims Podcast. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So, get ready for the truth. Hey guys, welcome to episode 9 of Small Town Pilgrims. I'm Jason. And I'm Garrett. And you never thought you'd see this. We are in the same room. But we are together. Um, just had a wonderful Sunday. Good service. We got to be in church with our family. Church family? Finally. Finally. Right. And it was really good. Uh, awesome. Awesome time being with our with our people. Um, we miss them when we can't be together. We hope that if you aren't having in-person services, that you are definitely missing it because it's important to gather with, with believers. But that being said, uh, time to get down to business. It's podcast time, y'all. So um, this is a, a reviewing Romans uh, on Romans 6, 15 through 16. Um, we've had uh, some positive feedback that it would be awesome if we could put um, the sermons on the podcast as well so you guys can hear that before you listen to these. Um, we're both working on that, trying to get it done. So hopefully we'll be able to do that so that you can maybe listen to the sermon and then listen to these. Uh, we actually had talked about that at one point. Yeah. Just saying it, we both kind of thought that'd be a good idea, but we had uh, somebody who listens uh, suggest that. And uh, that, that sounds like a great idea to us um, so that it, it would help you. Um, on those previous episodes, I, I, we linked to YouTube. So if you want to go watch it on YouTube and then listen, um, but we're going to work on trying to get them put on the same thing. So, um, but we are, uh, we need to, uh, tech savvy. You savvy. Don't savvy that. <laughs> uh, a lot don't go around here, a lot though. Uh, but no, we, uh, we're going to work on it. Um, we're just a couple of, due to have iPhones and Macs and we'll, we'll figure something out, I guess. I don't know. We'll try. We'll do anything. We'll, we'll do anything we can to help, help the podcast, help you guys learn something and be helped in, in the word of God. So, so first, first thoughts, what were your thoughts on the sermon this morning? I thought they were great. Uh, you know, I had just glad to be back. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, as we get into it, I'll have more thoughts. But. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was just awesome to be back in, in the house. Um, it's as a, as a pastor, it is much easier to preach when you're standing in front of your people, not when you're sitting in front of a computer screen. Um, but, you know, we, we thank God for that we had that so that at least we could give some sort of uh information you know get some some teaching out to our people um, so that was that was an excellent thing but uh all right let's let's get into it let's get down to business um uh, i titled it who is your master um and wanted to first kind of go back to that 
verse 14 where it talks about you're not under law but under grace right um to me what i've seen in a lot of what we've been we have learned in the past and you know really kind of what you've seen and and if you look in the scripture what you see in the scripture that that phrase causes a couple of extremes to happen sometimes i think um it causes maybe some confusion paul didn't mean it to be confusing you know that's why that's why it's so good to start chapter one verse one of a book of the bible and then go keep going because you get right. to see the context that paul was trying to, to give you yeah because otherwise just hearing who is your master you for me you automatically go to we're not slave slavery is bad yeah right yeah you know yeah exactly and and, and that's you know that's our modern context in their in their context here you look at not under law under grace well that can cause two different different groups of of, of issues um but that's the important thing is that context yeah yeah <laughs> context when you're talking about context clues we're talking about solid context okay that's why starting like i said starting chapter one verse one you preach through it you get a lot more context. I know for me, you know, this being the first book that I've ever exposited, I've seen that. And this is a great book to do because Paul gives so much doctrine and theology of the church that it, it's so helpful to me. And I know it's been helpful to our people who've, who've, who've listened and also kind of, kind of drives you maybe to like, look, okay, what's referencing, what's this referencing to what's, right. what connects to this, you know? And that's what we see here as, as we begin this. But um, here's the verses. Um, now hear the infallible and inspired word of God. It's uh, Romans 6, 15 through 16. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? And we... Pray that God sanctifies by His truth. His word is truth, and we hope that God reveals something to you as you listen. But um, the two the two things that we got to get straight first is those two odd ends of the spectrum, and they've been since the beginning of the church. Um, you've got those who want to bring the law into justification, want to bring everything under the law. Um, that you've got to follow all of the ceremonial laws, the dietary laws, all of that yeah. um, in order to be justified. And that's what Paul dealt with in, in Galatians. You know, we won't, we won't read it, I think, because we can pretty, pretty much give you the, the gist of it. What was happening is Peter, when he was with the Gentiles, was eating with the Gentiles and, and doing, you know, just hanging out with him and, 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 and being what he needed to be, salt and light to him. Well, then James, who was... Uh, in Jerusalem sent some of the Jewish brothers. And as soon as Peter saw them, he stopped eating with the Gentiles and started hanging with the Jews and doing what the Jews were doing and telling the Gentiles they needed to do what the Jews were doing. Well, Paul says in Galatians 2, you can read it in verses 11 through 14, talks about, he said, when I saw what, what Peter was doing, I had to oppose him to his face. I said, how can you, being a Jew, do what the Gentiles do, and then and then tell the Gentiles to do what the Jews are doing in order to be justified. And that's that's what we run into. That's the law side. Yeah. When you've got a group of people that are wanting to 
bring in works-based salvation. Um, and, you know, it really kind of is kind of relevant to now because the social gospel, the social justice gospel is trying to push an ethical moral system yeah. instead of the justification by faith that our reconciliation is to God, not to a person of another race or any other thing. Our, our reconciliation is with Christ. The problem with, with, with disunity and those things is all about sin. It's not about anything else but sin. And or as uh, Ray Comfort likes to say, what if it's not the skin but sin? That's what he asks people. It's not skin, it's sin. That's that's I mean, that's true. And that see that social gospel, it's an ethical moral system, but it's also a worldly ethical moral system. They, they don't have a standard to base that on. No, their standard is things like critical race theory and you know social justice and actually uh democratic socialism and, and marxism that's really their their basis for that social gospel and that's that's an ethical moral system that doesn't have anything to do with justification we're not saved or justified by reconciling to somebody of a different race god wants us to to love our neighbor regardless of their their skin color but we've got to the We've got to work on the sin problem, not the skin problem. And, you know, and, and then, of course, you know, you got the legalists who, you know, uh, and we've been in those churches where you got to stop doing this, you got to stop doing that. I remember signing a membership card um, with the church that I was at, and on that membership card, you know what it said? Will not attend a movie at a movie theater. Because they may play a rated R movie next, and you paying for it. Believe that. But well, did you? Of course I did. Oh, of course I did. <laughs> you see, that's the thing. You're pushing an ethical, moral system of works, and you got to act good enough to be justified before Christ. Well, Christ didn't say that. Christ said, you know, that we're justified in Him. That in Him that we have you know, our salvation. And Paul taught, you know, justification by faith. That's why, the, you know, we talked about in the last episode about church splits and we talked about the, the Protestant Reformation. It was all about justification by faith, not justification, justification by faith plus works. Right. But then you got the other side um, that says, do what you want. It's under grace. And we've been there too. We've been there. Been in that one. And Honestly, it's uh, not peaceful. It doesn't feel peaceful. And there's a reason why it doesn't feel peaceful. And we'll go in further into that when we go into this, you know. But Jude 4 says this, For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our Lord God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So these ungodly people were saying, do whatever you want. Doesn't matter, you're under grace. And that perverted the grace of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, you know, as we as we go on in the sermon and in, in this teaching, you'll see 
it, it's clear. Paul's clear. Right. It's not. It's not anything that we've got to decipher. We don't have to have a, a code sheet or something. This is clear. What Paul says here, but I, I think Jude does a great job describing them as ungodly. You can't describe a Christian as ungodly. Okay, he's being very clear about it. That's antinomianism. We've talked about that before. Antinomianism is basically a set of belief that says, do whatever you want. You're under grace. No such thing as sin. Everything's fine. That's, that's totally against the gospel and, and the word of God. Okay. And the Holy Spirit doesn't let us live with that. No. That's not, what, not if we're born, born again. No. And, and, and that's why under that system, I got a lot less sleep than I get now. Yeah. So, um, but as we go f further, I think if we understand those two, two extremes, we can understand what Paul's telling us. He's bringing us to the middle where we should be, uh, the point that we should know about what he's trying to say here. Um, I'm going to break down verse 15 real quick. What then are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Are we to sin? Now, th th something that really, really stuck out to me, I was reading uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones's uh, commentary in his sermon on this. No, not you. <laughs> the doctor. Wrath. That's how he says wrath. <laughs> yeah, it'll get you. But uh, it's, he, he, he goes to define the word sin. And we must define this word sin. As I brought out this morning, and, you know, if we define this sin as a failing or a falling, we condemn ourselves because we will feel like we are not Christians when we fail. And there's no assurance in it. It links to John, 1 John 3, 8, 9. Let's see if I can get there. I can. In my Reformation Study Bible, ESV version. First uh, John 3, verses 8 and 9 says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him. He cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. It makes it very clear, right? Yeah. Now, this was a huge eye-opener for me because I felt, you know, uh, it talks about, read, read one more time. It's, it's, it's whoever makes Not it. Not that. The, oh, uh, in Romans? Yeah, Romans. Okay, it says, what then, are we to sin because we're not under the law but under grace? Right. By no are means. we to sin? So it was like every mess up I had was questioning my own faith. Yeah. But when we look at it in context of what it's actually talking about, that making a practice, having a habit of, that was, that was a huge eye-opener for me in this morning. Continual sin is what it is, it's, and it's the practice of it. And I think that's that's what's so awesome if you look if you read that word and read the word in context. You you take other commentators like Martin Lloyd Jones, and 
what's he say about it? Well, let me look at it. Let me see if that fits. And yes, it does fit. And oh my goodness, this opens up so many things. That's why we study to show ourselves approved. Yeah. Because the word can be rightly divided if we would just dig, dig, dig. And honestly, I've talked to you about it before, man. My my entertainment choices have changed to more. I love digging in the word. I mean, it's like entertainment to me. I enjoy it. So, but he's talking about making a practice of sinning. So when he says, "Are we to sin?" He's saying. Are we to make a practice of sinning? And this isn't the occasional fall or fail. It's habitual. Like you said, it's, it's making a habit, continually doing it over and over, same thing and being fine with that. The occasional fall or fail is, is the fight with the old nature. Yeah. And going to happen. It's going to happen. And, you know, we want to not do that. We want to be, you know, perfect. <laughs> Not going to happen, bruh. Not going to happen. No matter who tells you you're perfect and you're just like Jesus and you're just like God right now, you're not. You have an old nature that you fight that Jesus never had to fight because he didn't have the old nature. He was God and man. So as we go on, Paul even talks about it in, in 1 Corinthians 9.21 where he says uh, that he came as one not under the law to the Gentiles. And some people think, well, that means he just acted real cool. And we've used that, I think, in our church, our church at times to be like, oh, yeah, I got to be hip and cool and relatable. Well, no, what, no wait, that's not what he's saying there. It's like he's saying, I'm going to sit and eat with the, with the Gentile so that I can share the gospel with them. Right. I'm going to go where they're at so I can share the gospel with them. I'm not going to try and put them back under the law. But he says, not that I was out from under the law, not that I wasn't under the law of Jesus Christ. But I did what I, I came to them as one of them so that I could reach them. And we need that, you know, because if we look. Well, should I go get a bunch of tattoos and start drinking a bunch of beer and go fit in with them? No, no, probably not. No, that's the way I, I used to. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And, and you know, <laughs> we can fall into that trap. Is there anything wrong with getting a tattoo? Nope. Anything wrong with drinking a beer if that's your thing? No. Yeah. The Bible says not to get wasted. So you or chocolate wasted. So you need to do that. You need to not get wasted. That'd be good. But nothing wrong with it. Do we do it? No, I don't. I, I don't. It's not for me. No, you know. But, you know, that's not what he's talking about here. Right. He's not talking about go, go have beers with your center priest. What he's saying is come to them in a way that doesn't force them back under a system of working to be justified. Show them that they can be justified in Christ. The good news. The good news of the gospel. And I think that's, you know, that Paul's clear on that because he doesn't get rid of the Old Testament as, as those who uh, kind of go into that antinomian system. They want to unhitch. Have you heard that term before from a certain popular pastor? Unhitch the Old Testament from the New Testament. You do that, then you need to go back and all those parts in the New Testament where Jesus quoted the Old Testament, all those parts in the New Testament where Paul quoted the Old Testament, all the quotes of the Old Testament that are in Revelation, you better mark those the out whole too. Thing was about Jesus. Yeah, the Jesus thing, the thing that out too. prophecy of him that we wouldn't have known about were it not for the Old Testament. Mark those out too. 
what are you left with? Not much. Here's the thing that has always, has, has, it bothered me during the time. If we get rid of the Old Testament, why did Jesus preach the Old Testament? Right. And I heard, I even heard a, a preacher say it one time, he had to, he had to. Well, well was he trying to trick them? Exactly. <laughs> right. You know, what was the motivation? No, right. he knew it was the Holy Scripture. And he had to, he, he preached the Holy Scriptures. And, you know, I've, I've even heard a pastor say that, um, you know, somebody who I used to listen to that talks about how we don't really need to read the Gospels as much as we need to read the Epistles. No, we need to read all of it. We don't need to take the book of James out of the Bible as, as one very popular word of faith, prosperity, gospel preacher has said, take the whole book of James out. Why? It's about sanctification. It's important that we know that, that that a faith without works is a dead faith, that it doesn't prove anything. I think it's just because they couldn't explain that. Hey, <laughs> hey, we can't explain it. Let's get rid of it. Right? Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, huh? But the, under the law here, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones talks about it in his commentary as well, that this is talking about, like Leviticus 18.5, you shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules, if a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. Jesus, when he was talking to somebody about the law, and you know, about the commandments, and he said, do this and you shall live. One problem. We can't do it. So there's no life in it. And that's what he's talking about. Come out from under that. Do and I'll live that works-based mentality come out from under that because the law is holy, just, and good. And it is useful to us, especially, uh, especially the, the moral law. It helps us to, you know, in a gospel presentation, you know, show somebody that you're a sinner, you know, you need to be saved. But, and that it's not only you, it's, it's all of us. It's, yeah, everybody. None of us can do it. And, and the thing is, the law is holy, just, and good, but it can't give life. In fact, it points to death, really. You're not going to be able to keep this. You're going to die. And we need to live by Christ. We need to live in Christ and, and live and move and have our being in him because Christ is the one who gives eternal life. It's only in him. And I love how Paul answers his own question. What then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law but under grace? What does he say? Uh-uh. No. <laughs> no. By no means. Or if we go KJV on it, <laughs> God forbid. You can't get any more, you couldn't be more forceful about saying, uh-uh. <laughs> right. And that's as forceful as you can say, uh-uh, in the Bible. By no means. Uh-uh. uh-uh. See, here's why we can't live that life of sin, that continuing sin now. We're under grace. We're different. There's been a great price paid for us that we never, ever, ever could have paid. And because of that, and because of the brand new heart that we have in Christ, we, we cannot do it. We can't continue 
in sin and living a life of, of sinfulness and not standing right before God. We just can't do it. It's not in our nature anymore. We fight the old nature, but continuing sin is not something we can do. We, we must, we must come out of that. Now, First uh, John 1, 6 says this. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. First John starts talking about something really important, profession. There's more to this life of Christianity than saying something. It's not just saying, I'm saved, or repeating a prayer after somebody. And that's really, that's, that's a personal thing to me. It's actually walking in it. It's walking in it. And, that's, and I think it's interesting that he uses that terminology. If we say we have fellowship, but we walk in darkness, that's not how it goes. If we say we have fellowship, we have to walk in the light. Then First uh, John two four says, um, "Whoever says I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him." So it's not just what you say. It's not just a profession. You know, we we hear so many times in, in evangelical Christianity, he made a profession of faith. Well. I need more than to profess that I, that I believe in Jesus. Okay. You know, I believed in Jesus before I was saved. I believed he was real. I believe that he did the things he said he did in the Bible, but my heart was stone and I didn't have a new heart yet. No, I wasn't saved. I wasn't walking in him. Right. I profess to knowing something. That's, that's, that's my knowledge. That's not heart change. Yeah. I need heart change. And, you know, verse 16 of, of, of Romans goes on to talk about a slavery. We are slaves to one of two things, sin or obedience. So we're all slaves. Which one is it? Which one? Who's your master? The, the, the illustration I use is I couldn't be, if I lived in the times of slavery, thank goodness we don't, and I was a slave, I couldn't have Garrett as a master and another man as a master. It doesn't work that way. I have one master. And Charles Hodge said the slave must serve his own master. Otherwise, it's not good for the slave. It, it doesn't work out. You know, we can't be a slave of sin and a slave of obedience. And that's, that's something that I think is made, you know, Paul makes fairly clearly, I think, in the way he talks about it in here because of the distinction he makes. I love it when Paul makes his distinctions. Yeah. He does such a good job of saying it's either this or it's this. You know, he, does, he doesn't mix up any words. He doesn't. Get funky with well, it. Well, you know, you could, you could be a little of this, a little of that, yeah. uh, which sounds mealy mouth to me, <laughs> and and I don't and I, I would mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's it, it's. I want one or the other. You know, 
That's the kind of person I am. I want one or the other. It's got to be one or the other. And because Paul says, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. One or the other. And a slave of sin is continuously living a life of sin. He is making a practice of sinning. And Jesus, I mean, you can look at all the church fathers. All the church fathers warned of this, that uh, the profession with your mouth is not enough. There must be a heart change and there must be a change. Otherwise, you may be the almost Christian or you may be the, uh, the false convert. Right. And I, I like how Steve Lawson had, had said it. You may have a profession of faith, but you don't have the possession of faith. That's that's pretty good. You can't you can't argue with that. And all of the church fathers are warned about it. Every good man of God will warn you about this. But Jesus himself warned about this in Matthew seven when he said, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven." On that day, many will say to me, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. There must be a heart change. It's more than just a profession. You must have a new heart. And you see, and that, and that, that, that slave to sin is going to lead to death. Yeah. Well, when we look at what, what are the wages of sin? The wages of sin okay. is death. So, and then we look at what is a, what does a slave to obedience look like? And here's the cool thing I saw. If you look, if you measure it out, okay, it says that we're not under law, we're under grace. Those under the law are slaves to sin. Those under grace are slaves to obedience. So a slave to obedience is truly a slave to grace. Right. You know? And I can see how they they were thinking they were the obedient ones, or at least trying to be the obedient ones, trying to do the law. Yeah. But we can't. We can't. Not to be justified. No. Not to be justified. You see, they those who are slaves to obedience live a life of Holiness. We've been talking about that a little bit on this podcast. Holiness. Uh, Hodge said in his commentary that it's it's impossible for the slave of holiness, which is the slave of obedience, to be engaged in habitual sin as a lifestyle. Can't do it. If you're a slave to obedience, you're living in holiness, you cannot possibly live a life of habitual sin. <laughs> As a lifestyle. Right. It's not possible. If you it say be, you are, you're a liar. Exactly. You'd be miserable. You'd be miserable. Yeah. It's torture. And to be a, a slave to sin leads to death. But the Christian can't be a slave to sin. And this is where I say check your heart. Check your heart. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. Look at me. Look at me when I tell you this. You on the podcast, look at me <laughs> when I tell you this. Check your heart. 
There is nothing wrong with checking your heart. There is something wrong with questioning your salvation constantly if you fail. Be assured of your salvation. But if there is habitual sin in your life, check your heart. You may need to repent and believe the gospel. There's nothing wrong with doing that. There's nothing wrong with that heart check. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and, And I don't know why anybody would tell you that there is. We are assured of our salvation if we are in Christ. Therefore, if we check our heart and we see that it's brand new in Christ, good. If we see that it's not, even better. Let's repent and believe the gospel. So the slave of obedience is so cool to me the way this is. It says it leads to righteousness. Okay, so the slave of sin leads to death. And you would think the slave of obedience would lead to life, but it doesn't. It leads to righteousness. Why does it not lead to life? Because Christ leads to life. Justification by faith. Your justification in Christ gives you eternal life. Not obedience. Justification by Christ gives you life. Christ is the one who gives life, not obedience. So, obedience to God and his law and the standards of holiness doesn't give you eternal life. It is your, everybody say it together, sanctification. (laughs) Sanctification. Christ gives eternal life when you're justified by him. That's it. That's it. And our life of obedience is our life of sanctification. Obedience to God's word. Obedience to the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding of us of, oh, I'm convicted about this. And that's the fruit of your justification. Yep. Yeah, it shows. It shows you're justified when you had that. Um, So this is the things that I kind of picked out that maybe Paul was trying to say here. Because, you know, he's speaking to the Roman church. So I think he's saying this. I think he's saying two things. Continual habitual sin is a sign that conversion may not have taken place, and you need to check your heart. I think Paul's pretty clear about that. You can't make a practice of sinning and be saved. Also, I think he was saying obedience is a life of sanctification, and it is full of holiness. And we know what holiness does. It glorifies God. It's his will for our life to present us blameless before him. So how do we know how to obey God? Well, look at the law. <laughs> or we can look at the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit that lives in us. If you're in the, uh, if you're in the Word of Faith movement, you don't call it the Holy Spirit, you call it the Holy Ghost. Because that's what the King James calls it. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is at work in us if we're in Christ. Convicting, convincing, you know, comforting, leading us to places in the Word. And the other thing that we have is the Word of God. We have it in our language, in front of us, anytime we want. If we don't have the book, we pull out our phone. We can find the Bible. We have access to it. And it was given for the purpose, two purposes. One is our sanctification. The other is the salvation of the lost. The gospel is contained within this. The whole plan of redemption is contained within this. And then our favorite verse. 
John, John 17, 17 says, <laughs> sanctify them by your truth. Your word is true. And you know, there was a uh, quote unquote teacher who had said the Bible is too accessible. You remember that? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I remember, I remember that. And I was like, <laughs> no, uh -uh, no, 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 no. It's not that there's too much access to the Bible that's the problem. The problem is that the people ain't accessing it. That's the problem, y'all. I get serious about that stuff. But now, because it's successful, oh man, you are without excuse. You can see clearly. We we can see this truth. The moral law is a good thing for us to know. To know. It's a good thing for us to know. Even though we can't follow it. Well, guess what? It points me to the fact that I must have a savior. I must have a mediator in Christ. And, you know, those who are in habitual sin right now, there's only one hope for you. And that's what Christ said when he came out of the garden, out of the, the wilderness of temptation. Repent okay. and believe the gospel. That's what the hope is. So if you're in that habitual sin and you feel like maybe you're one of those false converts, well, guess what? Repent and believe the gospel. That'll change everything. You'll be a new person in Christ. You'll you'll lose that heart of stone, be given a heart of flesh. You know, uh, this morning I gave a I, I gave a gospel presentation. I, I was listening to um, actually no, I was reading a quote from uh, Paul Washer. He says, "Woe is woe to us if we don't present the gospel when we when yeah. we preach." You know, so that's my goal is to to give that gospel presentation. You know, as well when I preach. Yeah, because people need to know it. Sometimes we need to hear it if we're in Christ. I mean, why would we want to hear it if we're in Christ? It's what saved us. Right. It's beautiful. It's, 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 we still need to hear it every day. Every day. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, that's something that I've been, that's really been on my heart lately. And also, you know, we've got that book uh, by Greg Gilbert, um, What is the Gospel? And, yeah. and some really good thoughts on it. I'm planning on making a kind of a document once I read through it and take my notes, making a document kind of helping us to lay out, okay, what's the gospel? How do we share it? And how do we give it, you know, precisely? Yeah. And we'll come up with a show for that. Yeah. I mean, when we can, and not only that, we could probably give the document away, you know, somehow we'll find out a way. Like you said, we're not tech savvy. We'll figure something out. Okay? We'll figure it out. We'll figure something out. All right. We got to hire somebody. We'll figure something out. Um, but yeah, so so any other thoughts that you had on the on the whole message of this and what well, kind of went there at the end kind of goes back over it all. Check your heart. Are we to sin or keep on sinning? And it's not talking about a mess up. It's talking about the practice of it. If we're living in that, we need to repent and believe. It's okay if we fall short because we're going to we're do that every day, whether you know it or not. I think it's a gift that we come to the knowledge of that yeah. to be able to repent. Yeah, it's a gift to repent. Yeah, it really is. It really is. You're right. Yeah, and I know that, that's something for I know for you, especially it's been an emotional thing for you yeah. because, you know, what we what we were raised up in and it was so browbeat. It was like, you mess up, you're out. 
you got to earn your way back in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's not what the gospel's about. I was never really taught what repentance was. Yeah. A true and honest repentance. Yeah. yeah. But now we have that gift. God has given us that gift that we can come to him and we can, you know, and, 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 and here's, here's a great thing too. I think that we need, we should also make very clear. Repentance is not just about God forgiving me for it. Right. It's me laying down that awful weight, getting away from it and turning around. I'm trying to forsake it. And leave it behind me. Yep. To kill sin. Be killing sin or it be killing you, dog. That's what John Owen said, right? He should have added dog. I think he, I think he said that. He they just didn't write that part down. Yeah, that's what it was. But, you know, I think that's, I think that's true. I think you're right. I think I, it is a gift to be able to lay those things before God. And, and and knowing that, does he understand that we're going to fail? Yes, he does. That's why he sent Christ, okay? That's why. Because he knows we have the old nature to fight. And, 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 you know, that doesn't, and here's the fun part. That is not the license to sin. The license to sin that we used to get, right? Where just do whatever you want. You're under grace. It's fine. It's fine. Just do whatever. It's fine. Because you're under grace. God still loves you. You're perfect. Your your picture's on his refrigerator. First of all, God ain't got no refrigerator. He don't need one. Okay? <laughs> I thought that. <laughs> second. Second of all, that is not the gospel. The gospel is that our Savior paid a great price for our salvation, and now we're being sanctified in him. The Holy Spirit is conforming us to the his image. Yeah. We're being sanctified. We're being the things that have so easily beset us can be done away forever in Christ. That's what it's all about. That's what the gospel is. Yep. So, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoyed preaching it this morning. I enjoyed the study of it. Um, I think you probably noticed I was a lot more enthusiastic this morning because I was in front of people and right. sitting at my kitchen table preaching. <laughs> so I, I enjoyed preaching it this morning. And, and honestly, like Steve Lawson says, I'm wore out after it. That's the truth. That's the truth. So, so after I get done preaching, after we dismiss, Jesse comes up. Okay. First thing he says is, "Man, you tell him about the podcast." I said, "We said Jesse, you know." I don't want to, you know, use my pulpit to promote the podcast. Okay, it's for promoting Christ, it's promoting Jesus. Okay, come on now. He's, well, man, I don't think people need to know. Thank you. Then he said, I, I, "But I come out with my next question," <laughs> and he opens up his reform, reform Reformation Study Bible to the section that says free will. And he said, "Y'all need to get on there and talk about this." I said, "Jesse." That's a deeper subject than one podcast. So you see the type of questions we get from Jesse, okay? Yeah. He wants us to dig into the most controversial, divisive subjects and just explain them in a 30 to 40 minute podcast. That's why Jesse hasn't been on the podcast. <laughs> we want to include him. Yeah. You people are crying out for it. We know you are. Right. Texting me, emailing us. E uh, we're, you're, you're shouting from the rooftops. We want Jesse. We want Jesse. Well, guess what? Eventually he may come. 
but he don't get to ask any questions live. <laughs> His questions must be edited. But, you know, but here's the thing about Jesse, okay? He's doing what we all should be doing always. Search the scriptures. I have a question about this. Well, where do I find the answer? In the scripture, godly counsel, other commentaries. Search it out. Don't just believe something somebody tells you. Search it out yourself. You know, that's what that's 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 what happened to us. I mean I mean we just stopped believing what people were telling us and we started searching ourselves. You know, I, I could I, and honestly I could never repay Jeff Durbin and the Cultish Podcast for the challenge that they put in our hearts for apologetics, which led us to a theology. We realized we couldn't do anything apologetically because we had no theology about who God really was. Right. We needed a good theology of who he was. We needed to know who God was. So we can never repay that. But, you know, now Jesse is, I mean, he's, I mean, he's, he's getting so solid in his theology, you know, as, as we are, we're trying to solidify ourselves. So yeah, he'll be a part of the podcast at some point. Y'all pray for us. <laughs> But uh, all right. So, anything you else you got, G? Before we uh, call this bad boy a quit, that's it. That's it. Well, God bless y'all, and hope to see y'all next time on the next episode. If you love what you hear, like, subscribe, and give us a rating. Also, share this episode with your friends keep up with all that small town pilgrims is doing on social media like us on facebook at small town pilgrims follow us on instagram and twitter at small town pilgrims what a coincidence that they're the same yeah subscribe to our youtube channel if you have any questions or suggestions get your own podcast (laughs) or email us at smalltownpilgrims at gmail.com and now the lord bless you and keep you The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.